0: Verse 27, and what we're talking about today is how to wait for God. It is exceedingly rare to find a person who likes to wait, uh, especially to wait on things. Um, my grandfather on my mother's side, uh, I don't know if he liked to wait, but he liked to wait a lot more than he liked to shop. And so he, my grandmother never got a driver's license, so he would drive her to town and he'd park out in front of the Walmart. And he'd wait. And then when she got done at the Walmart, he'd drive her to the grocery store, and he would wait. He enjoyed to sit in the front yard and watch the grass grow. He may have been one of the only people that I've ever met that actually liked to wait. I know there are other people like that, but we're, we're talking about the human race here. We are the people that invented a car. Henry Ford invented a car in the 1890s and before the end of that decade, the Wright brothers were flying because that needed, we needed to speed things up. We are the people that built ovens and stoves and that wasn't fast enough even though it's better than an open fire so we made the microwave. We are a people that do not appreciate waiting. We don't like to wait for things to happen. And so everything about our modern way of life seems to indicate that we are not the most patient people and we certainly don't enjoy having to wait for our uh, whatever, wait for our entertainment, to wait for our food, to wait for our transportation, to to wait for anything. We don't like those things. Um, As believers, we must learn to be the exception uh, to this rule because God operates on his own time frame. And when we look at this passage in Daniel today, that's really all that Daniel had was the ability to wait. And so we're going to get into this. Uh, we'll first, we'll do the sermon in the sentence. Uh, and, and it is, since all believers are waiting for God to bring all things to an end, we should learn to wait with patience and with faith. So just read the passage, very, very short, Daniel chapter 8, uh, verse 27. And I, Daniel was overcome, and lay sick for some days. Then I rose and went about the king's business. But I was appalled by the vision and did not understand it. So let me remind you very, very briefly of the prophecy that Daniel had, had saw. The vision that he had saw was that there would be this this ram, and the ram would have two horns. One was a little bit shorter than the other that represented Persia and uh, the Medes and the Persians. And they would come and they would conquer and no one would be able to stand in front of them until there was a goat. And this goat would come and it, would, it had one conspicuous horn. So it was a unicorn goat. And it, it ran across the world and defeated the Persians, trampled that ram, and it, and it ruled the world. But then that horn was crushed and there was four more in its place, going four different directions and, and then so the kingdom of this this goat which was the greek empire was broken into four and then he talks about the little horn well that little horn had a very special interest in persecuting the people of god that was kind of the the moral of the story there is that the jews would be persecuted under this little horn and after a time after a season, uh, God's people would be restored. They, they would have their freedom. They would be able to worship again. The, the temple would be dedicated again. So in that meantime, th- there was going to be a lot of suffering and a lot of pain. Now... Daniel understood some of this, but there was some of it that he didn't understand. And, that, and that's what he's saying here. He was overcome and lay sick for some days. What was he overcome by? The judgment, the, the sorrow, the bad things that were going to happen. Um, he went about the king's business. He was appalled by the vision and did not understand it. So we're going to talk about what maybe he didn't understand, uh, what might have been appalling to him. And, and we're also going to talk about how Daniel went about his business of waiting on the Lord. You know, there are a number of different ways to wait on the Lord. Um, For Daniel, he receives this difficult prophecy uh, and he was already in a difficult time uh, because he and his fellow exiles were already waiting at that time. And so they were waiting on the fulfillment of a promise that they would be in exile for 70 years. Well, what Daniel sees is that there's going to be another empire and then another empire, and then they're going to be, they're going to be in, at war for a long, long time. Many, many people are going to suffer. So the Lord gave no indication as to how long he would have to wait only that it would be a long time. If we, if we were to go back and read that prophecy, we would see that, that the angel says, this is for a very long time. Seal this up, for this is a long time away. So Daniel doesn't have any kind of concept of how long that is, but, but he knows that a lot of times God does put numbers on things, so when God didn't, this was pretty significant. You know, we as Christians, we've been waiting for Jesus' return for nearly 2,000 years um, at, at this point, so we can identify with Daniel. We know that Jesus, when he left this earth, he said he was coming back. And so we've been waiting this whole time. So we can kind of identify at least with the waiting part. Um, And the way that Christians have waited throughout the years has varied. Um, There are believers, there are people even to this day that think that the evangelistic efforts of the church, the, the, the ministry of the church, the gospel is going to be so effective that most of the world becomes Christians. That, that all the things in Revelation that, that talk about, you know, the tribulation and all that, maybe that's already occurred, that, that we're actually going to bring the kingdom of God here on earth. Now, they're very optimistic about the future. That's the way they wait. And so they, they see that the church is going to be incredibly successful. There are people who believe that way and, and think that that's something that's going to happen. Others believe um, that there will be many people who are saved, but the world will continue to descend into sinfulness and wickedness also. And so they, they see that the, that the gospel will have its effect, but also there will be a descent into sin uh, for, for the rest of the world. Um, and, and so they're kind of optimistic about the work of the church, but they're, they're, they're not necessarily excited about the future. Then there are those who believe that there will be very few people ultimately saved um, and that the world is just going to get worse and worse until God intervenes. And so they run about trying to rescue as many as they can as if they're yanking them out of the fire. And so when we look at the Bible, we can see some reason to believe in all of these ways and to wait in all of these ways. So we know that Jesus said the gates of hell can never stop the church. So we know that the church will march on. We know that the church will continue on. So, so we understand that. We also know um, that Jesus said that there will be uh, evil in the world just as there was in the days of Noah. So we understand that, that people are going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. We see that. I think that that becomes very obvious to us. But we also know that Jesus said that there, that, that there is a narrow way and few find it that leads to heaven. So it's almost as if all of these things are are, are kind of true in in their own way. And what we need is a way, a guide, a a way to wait, a way to understand how it is that we should wait. So we're going to look at Daniel. We're going to look at his example, what he showed uh, in in his way. And obviously, when you look at it, he he was sick, he was appalled, he didn't understand But he went to work. So we're going to look at this and see how it makes sense for us. Daniel was able to live an excellent life among men while waiting for the Lord to make his plan clear. Just to back up for just a moment, and I think I'll probably mention this again in a minute, but just in case I don't, Daniel received this vision during the reign of Belshazzar. It was during the reign of Darius, after Belshazzar, that he was cast into the lion's den. Um, and remember, at that time, the people that were his enemies, they couldn't find anything in his morality. They couldn't find anything in his secular work. They couldn't find anything against him. They had to trap him in his, his faithfulness to God in order to, to trap him and to get him thrown into the lion's den. So even after this confusing, sorrowful, horrible vision that he has he lived a faithful life so we may not understand everything that the Lord is going to do we may grieve over the things that we know he's going to do but we must be about his business as we wait for him that's the important thing for us and so that's how we need to wait so let's look at kind of the stages that, that Daniel went through and, and then let's try to figure out how we fit into each of those stages, where we are, and ultimately how we need to be waiting. So first of all, Daniel was living with partial understanding. Daniel was able to understand parts of his vision, but not the whole. So this left him appalled and confused. So the angel explained certain elements to him. He explained to him what the ram was and what the goat was and what that little horn was. So the angel explained certain things. He understood that the Medes and the Persians were coming for the Babylonians and the Greeks would eventually rule everything. He understood that. He also knew um, that the people of God would suffer at the hands of a particular Greek king uh, before they would finally gain victory over him. Daniel got this. He, He understood that part. But what he did not know is when this would occur... And the most important thing for us, for Daniel, for, for the way that we as believers live, he didn't understand why this had to happen. Have you ever stopped and thought about when you read the book of Revelation or when you read Daniel and you read about all the judgments that have to happen, you, you, you see the Antichrist unleashed, you, you see the judgments of God poured out on the earth, you, you, you see all the pain and suffering that's going to happen. Have you ever asked, why does this have to happen? Well, I think maybe Daniel was asking that question. Why, why does this have to happen? I don't understand why there has to be so much suffering. Why is there so many people that, that, that rage against the Lord? And why do the people of God have to suffer, suffer? I think that that might have been one of his major questions. I think it's safe to say that, that we understand the major themes of prophecy, but we do lack understanding of some of the finer details. The way that I've always exclaimed, exclaimed it, explained it is when we're looking at prophecy, it's like looking over a mountain range. You can see the peaks of the mountain. And I believe that that's what Scripture gives us is those peaks of the mountain. But we don't know what's happening in between those mountains. You know, if you're standing on one mountain and looking, you can see what's, what might be happening on the next mountain, but you don't know what's happening in the valley. You certainly don't know what's happening on the other side of the mountain. And so with prophecy, we know the high points. We know what God's going to do, what He's promised He's going to do. But in the meantime, how does it all fit together what are the finer details? We don't know all of that just yet. So I believe that we are in a place a lot like Daniel as far as that goes. We know, based on what we can see in scripture, that the world is going to descend into unrighteousness and that Satan will launch personal attacks on believers um, by releasing or in the person of the Antichrist. We do know that. That, that seems to be repeated in both Daniel and Revelation, uh, in First Thessalonians, even Jesus mentions this man of lawlessness. So, so we understand that this is going to happen. Somehow there is going to be a, a, a personification of Satan on earth and he is going to attack believers. That, that is something that we do seem to know. Um, and we also know that the world is going to continue to get more unrighteous. We know that God will unleash his wrath upon the world in the form of judgment as recorded in the book of Revelation. How all of that is going to look and, and, and what, what methods, how the world will interpret that, that's going to be a little difficult for us to, to predict based on what the word does say. But when we think about the seals and the, the bowls and the trumpets, we know that God's judgment will come upon the earth. The good thing is, for at least that part, we do know why. We do understand why that will happen. That is, God's wrath over the sin of mankind. That's the one thing we do understand. At least we get that part, but there's so much that that we don't know exactly why. Is there maybe possibly some other way? We, We find ourselves in a very similar position to Jesus himself. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew what God's plan was. He knew what God was going to do. But he still asked, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Now, if you were a student of the Bible, you, you, you know enough to know that there are a lot of difficult things that, that, that are coming. We, we know enough to know that, that not just believers, yes, believers are going to suffer, but the rest of the world's going to suffer as well. We know enough to know that if there were any other way, we should be praying for that other way. But God has a plan. And His plan was written long before we ever looked at it and evaluated it. And so, when we focus on those negative things, and, and, and Daniel looked at the negative things, and there were parts of it he just didn't understand. Why? We know, also... And we are given this hope that Jesus is coming back to gather us together. And and so that is a wonderful thing. And when he does that, he's going to establish his kingdom. We may not know all the basic ideas, but we know there will be judgment, there will be pain, there will be sorrow, there, there will be persecution. But also Jesus is coming back and he will establish a kingdom. Now we understand those things, but nobody really understands all the why. So why does evil have to increase? Why do the saints have to suffer why is it so long before Jesus comes back? We can ask those questions and even a faithful Christian can, can admit that we don't understand why. But we have a response to those things. The Lord has perfectly planned these things. His timing uh, is perfect and at the right time he'll even reveal his purposes including the timing. We must believe what we know and trust in the Lord for the things that we don't understand. All of us have went through something that we thought, well, did I really have to go through that? Was that really necessary? We didn't understand. Maybe if we have the benefit of living long enough, we look back and we see what God did in that season, in that challenging time. What we have to do right now, believe the things that we know. And probably the one that you want to hang on to the most, the one that gives us the hope is that Jesus is coming back. Hang on to that. You know it, believe it, hang on to it. For the things that you don't understand, Lord, why does this have to happen? Lord, why does this have to happen? Trust him. Trust that he does have a plan and that he's working things out the way that it must be worked out. So Daniel was also overwhelmed by the coming judgment. He says, and I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. So some of the things that Daniel saw in this vision put him in bed. He was, he was down. He was down, and at least for a short period of time, he he was out. And so that's understandable. He received this vision, and this was a vision that that had a lot of destruction in it. So we can understand how he he responded that way. He was physically ill uh, concerning this prophecy for several days. Daniel knew that things would get worse before they got better. And for someone that had lived their entire adult life in exile, that was pretty terrible. So remember, Daniel was maybe 15 when he was brought from uh, Judea into uh, Babylon. So most of his adult life, he knew about the destruction of Jerusalem. He knew that the temple had been destroyed. He knew that many, many people had died. He lived under the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. Now he was under the reign of Belshazzar. Um, In this vision, he now sees that the Babylonians are about to be destroyed. The Persians will arise. He may not know when at this particular time, but he knows and don't you think that when he went to Belshazzar's palace, feasting hall, whatever, that day, when God had written on the wall, don't you know at that moment he said, oh, here comes the ram. Here comes the ram that we have, we have expected. Here comes the ram that God warned me about. So he knew what was going to happen. He had that awareness. He was, he was clear on that. But in the moment, he was sick. He, he was sick and he was sad and he knew that there was going to be horrible things. One thing that, that um, I love studying history and I really, I really do lo- like tracking great generals and their battles. I, I, like, I like seeing how kingdoms rise and things like that. But if you, if you don't really think about it, you forget that there were humans in all of this. And so if if one general wins a great battle, somebody else lost a lot of people. And there were a lot of innocent people that suffered. There were a lot of widows made. There were a lot of orphans made. There was a lot of sorrow that went through the land. And maybe for Daniel, he sees the ram rise up, and he knows that families will be destroyed. Men will be killed. Children will be lost, left without parents. Lives will be lost. Lands will change. And then he sees the goat, and the same thing happens again. And he knows that sorrow and suffering goes along. This is a man that would have seen war face to face. He would have understood it. He would have known what it was like. Maybe he had parents that that were in Judah. We don't know those things. But what we do know is that Daniel understood what war was like. And he understood how horrible it is. And with knowing what he did know, understanding what he did know, it made him sick for a time. You know, the parts of Revelation that we can clearly understand seem to indicate that evil and suffering will abound in the final days. There's some other things that we know. And and these things should also make us sorrow. And, 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 And we should grieve at least for a time. We know that many in the church will turn away from the Lord. In those last days, even the elect will be deceived, the Bible tells us. And those that are true to the Lord, those that do remain, they will be persecuted. So think about the Christian brothers and sisters that you know across this land. Some will turn away. Others will suffer. We will see difficult times. If not this generation, some generation, I believe soon, but who knows? Some generation is going to see that pain. They're going to see that suffering. That should and does break our heart. But think also there will be wars, rumors of wars, there will be devastation and disaster, there will be plagues, there will be famine, there will be all forms of human suffering. We, we know that to be true from Scripture. Even if we don't understand what some of these visions are, we know that they're not going to be good. And so when we look at that, It is natural, it is right for us, at least for a time, to be mournful and sorry for those things. You know, and if we think that things are bad now, and we know that they are going to get worse, we should mourn for the world, especially concerning the events that are yet to come. It's not natural for people to expect things to get a lot worse. People always have this hope. We're, we're working towards a better tomorrow, a better future. <laughs> Children are our future. We, we always look for that, that, that next hopeful thing. But what if the Bible actually indicates that things are going to get a lot worse before they get better? Yes, that would give us a reason to be sorrowful for a time. We will have sorrow for the judgment that is to come, but the Lord does not want us to remain in sorrow because he has given us a blessed hope. He has given us something to look forward to, and that is the return of Jesus Christ. Now, Daniel's final response to this is the response that that we have to look at, because he says, And I, Daniel, was overcome, lay sick for some days. Then I arose and went about the king's business. We have to be busy about the king's business as well. So after his sickness, Daniel got up and continued the king's business, even though everything was not settled for him. Now, what we know is that Daniel worked with excellence. We know that Daniel didn't begin to slack off. He didn't, he didn't leave anything open. He did not ruin his testimony. Um, we know that if he had failed, it would have given his enemies opportunity, and he wouldn't be the example for us that he is today. Now, no serious Christian claims to under, understand everything about the end times, but we all have work to do until that end comes. We may not know what's going to happen, but we all have work to do. And, and so we can look at that work and we can understand certain things. Um, it's important for us to remember that after this vision is when Daniel was cast into the lion's den. I've kind of already mentioned that, so I won't major on it. Um, but we as, as believers, we have certain responsibilities. We have responsibilities to, 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 to serve the Lord. And, and that's the most important part of what we have to do. Sharing the gospel, doing the, the things that are righteous that God has commanded us to do. We have responsibilities to our families. And then we usually all have some secular responsibilities, some things that we must do in the world. All of that falls within this king's business that Daniel had to do. But obviously we can kind of turn this and we can think about the king's business that we have to do. We can remember when Jesus was just a a young boy and he spent some time in the temple that that his parents didn't know he was going to spend there and he said, I must be about my father's business. Well, we must be about that king's business as well and we must recognize that. We may wonder why God must pour out judgment on the world or we may wonder why the world is evil, but we cannot allow that to distract us from work... The work of life that, that, that God has given us, the call of Christ that has been placed in our life, we can't allow those things to be a distraction. So the work of the Christian as we wait is to spread the gospel, serve our family, and satisfy our worldly responsibilities blamelessly. Remember that last part because if Christians have, have failed people get so excited about the return of Jesus or they get so distracted about the return of Jesus that, that they no longer fulfill what obligations they have in the world. One thing I, I believe to be sure is that there, there's not something that we can do to rush God. I believe that His time is set, that He will do what He's going to do when He's going to do it. And so us trying to do anything to force Him to come earlier or to, to force His, that's not going to work. But what we can do is live honorably, to continue to, to, make that, to make that example that people can actually follow, that they can see the hope that lives within us. We can do that. I, I do believe that. And so we can be about God's business on this earth. And we can remember that when he returns, that's above our pay grade. Sometimes you gotta think about it like that. That's that's more than, than what we can deal with. We have to focus on our business and let Jesus focus on his business. And so, in conclusion, how do we really wait on the Lord? I believe it involves crying out for the Son. How do we cope with the sorrow and the lack of understanding? We have the hope that Jesus, we have the hope of Jesus, and that is what will get us through these times. Live in constant anticipation of his return. Look for Jesus any day. At any moment He might come back, look for that return. You might say, well, for 2,000 years believers have been waiting and, and they're still waiting. Yes, and every day we're at least one day closer. Look with great anticipation upon His return. Pray for His return. You know, it's, it's interesting, the later you get in the New Testament, you see over and over again that the believers were looking for Jesus' return. They were, they were calling for his return. So pray for his return. When's the last time you asked Jesus, Lord, please come back. Lord, come back quickly. Probably daily at this point. But we think about that. We need to be calling on Jesus to come back and then proclaim his return. Why do we have hope in this dark and depressing world right now where it seems like, The name of God is not even known among people that it should be known. Well, we know he's coming back. Proclaim that. That is our hope. If we have been given hope, it is not for us to hoard in our heart, it is for us to proclaim. Not only is Jesus our Savior, but He's coming back. So for those that say, Show me God and I'll believe, well, we have to say, Well, He's coming back. By the time He gets back, that that belief period will be closed. But he is coming back. Proclaim his return. Because for us, we don't, we don't have a lot of other things to hope in. In fact, we have no other hope. But in Jesus, we have that hope. If you've read the Bible, you know that the world's not necessarily going to get better. We may invent more things. We'll probably fight some more wars. There will probably be you know, some things that come out that might be misunderstood as good but there's nothing truly good coming until Jesus returns. And so let us look for that. Let us hope for that. Let us pray for that, and let us proclaim that. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much just for this time to gather together for a few minutes. And Father, none of us like to wait, and none of us like to be patient. That That's, that's not really the way that we're made. We are so anxious for your return, and we love your appearing. We are hoping and praying for your appearing. But in the meantime, Father, I pray that you give us the strength to be about your business, to be doing the things that you have called us to do. Just like Daniel, his day-to-day life was still consistent. It was still righteous. And it was still anticipating your good plan and your good purposes to come to pass. And I pray that we can be the very same way. Even though we don't know how long it is going to be until you come back, I pray that we can be faithful just as Daniel was faithful, we can follow that same example. And I pray that we ourselves then can be an example for those that come after us, for, for those that, that, that watch us. And we know the world is watching. Let us be that example. And if they hear us speaking, I pray that they can hear us speaking about the fact that, that you're coming back. That at the, at the end of all things is not more bad news. At the end of all things is the best news ever. And that is that now... You have your kingdom and your place here on earth and we are citizens of your holy kingdom. And I pray that we can proclaim that in a way that that people hear it and that they accept it and that they believe and that they can be rescued from the worst of the things that are coming to this world. Give us that hope. Give us that patience. Help us to wait that way. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.